The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Comey Snake. Welcome to Escape from New York Minute, where we celebrate and analyze the dystopian classic one minute at a time. I am Molly Balin. And I am Eric Deutsch. And this week we welcome editor-slash-writer Rich Drees from Film Buff Online and the Big Picture Podcast. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. Good. Welcome. Welcome to New York. Thank you. Oh, I just got back from New York. <laughs> <laughs> well, you escaped. Well, we, we brought you back in. Nobody escapes from New York. That's true. So this week, we are starting off with Minute 22. And Minute 22 begins with an important walk and talk, a la West Wing, between Snake and Hauk. It ends with Snake getting an update of 22 hours versus the 24 previously discussed to retrieve the president. So it's going to cause a little anxiety. <laughs> Now, there's uh, right off the bat here, there is a difference in the script, the original script versus what they ended up filming. In the script, Snake asks about a pilot, and he's told by Hauk that the computer actually will be programmed to glide uh, the gull fire into the roof of the World Trade Center, and it'll take off with a small jet engine in the rear of the plane. So Snake is not a pilot, and it's not a free fall from the top of the building to take off. And so little little tweak there, making you know, giving Snake a little more skills and making the escape a little harder. Because instead of just, all right, you know, flip the switch, turn on the engine and fly off, he's doing this, the, the plan is to do this free fall. So it's, it's giving Snake a little bit more to do in theory and giving Snake a little more background uh, skills than the original script had. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's wise. I think that makes a lot of sense. Because uh, it's a little less dramatic for someone to be like, you can press a button, it'll just sort of take you there. Yeah. No problem. What I really found interesting about, you know, the three minutes that we're going to be, I'm going to be with you guys to talk about over the next uh, three episodes was, you know, first of all, I'm a big structure guy. I'm always, you know, very interested in you know, how a screenplay is constructed. And this basic scene, these two scenes are basically um, the the end of the first act of the movie. And they do some very important dramatical stuff. And, you know, we'll talk about it on each minute. But this first minute, right at the end, introduces the idea of the ticking clock. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, Snake only has a certain amount of time to get what he needs to do. And that's always, you know, it's an easy dramatic device, but it's essential in this movie, at least. And I think that helps keep things moving along, you know, through the rest of the film. Yeah, absolutely. I think that this is a really successful application of pressure in that you have layers. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm really glad that you brought up, too, that, that we're, we're nearing here the, the end of the first act and that it isn't just the layer of pressure that there's, well, the world could come to an end. And not only have we lost the president here, but now also there is the pressure of now less time and you have a countdown countdown clock. And now you have less time than you thought. 
And now we're also going to see that there's an additional biological uh, pressure that Snake's going to have. So I, I think that this is really, it's good writing, you know, I mean, from a, uh, an action film perspective, it's, it's quite excellent and simple, simple and effective. So they did a good job with that. Oh, very much so. Very much so. Yeah, so uh, what, of course, we're all talking about is the that Hauk uh, originally told him 24 hours, and then he slaps this clock, uh, this wristwatch on Snake's wrist, and he clicks start, and it actually says 22 hours, 59 minutes, 59 seconds, so it's already lost an hour. And it's interesting that when Snake says, hey, you told me 24 hours, and Hauk says in 22 hours, the Hartford Summit goes home, he's actually just knocked another hour off of the wristwatch because there's the wristwatch says 2259 i mean that's 23 hours basically and Hauk's calling it 22 mm-hmm. so he's taken an hour off when he starts the clock and then he's just automatically taken another hour off just because and in the script by the way talk about a change in the script in the script when he turns on the watch it's 23 hours and five seconds and so for some reason in between script and filming they decided to knock another six seconds off for snake there mm. just a little six seconds more dramatic i guess <laughs> yes. So there's a, a mention here, pretty much at the top of this minute, uh, that uh, there's going to be an elevator that's going to go down to 50 when he gets to the, the tower. And so he's going to have to walk the rest of the way down. So it's kind of like, well, I'm just kind of curious because obviously this is a very, very tall building. And I was just curious about how many floors it is. So when I looked it up, there's actually 104 floors which means he's going to have to walk 54 floors down to get to the ground level. So it's a good thing he's in decent shape. <laughs> it's also going to cost mm-hmm. him another one of those hours. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. Okay, maybe not a full hour, but let's say, you know, if he can keep up a brisk pace, 30, 40, 50 seconds per flight or something. I mean, I mean he's, he's, he's burning at least another half an hour. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we've talked a bit about um, in their in their previous exchange when they first meet a couple of minutes ago, that Hauk, while he's trying to get Snake to take on this mission, has a bit of a dickishness to him about it, though. <laughs> and when he says to him, from there on down you walk, he says it with a smirk. Sort of like, ha, 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 you're, you thought it's going to be easy getting in. You're walking down from the 50th floor, you stupid jerk. And, and it's just, I don't know, what's with the smirk? What's with being a jerk about it? Dude, I am so glad you mentioned that because I really, and maybe it's because I'm just full of love this week or something, but I just have <laughs> a lot of empathy for Snake because I'm like, how is being a real jackass for these three minutes over and over and over again? And you're right. This is that first instance of like, why are you, why are you making things harder for him? You know, and kind of like making fun of him that he's going to have to walk a long ways, you know, like give him give him a sled or something. Maybe he can just (laughs) slide down the stairs. How about a parachute? (laughs) Couldn't they give him a parachute? Right. Right. Yeah. You got got this hot shit clock, you know, and this crazy little tracking box, but we can't give you a parachute. (laughs) Well, they they have the high tech stuff covered so much that they forgot the low-tech stuff. Mm. Or at least, like, a piece of cardboard from, like, a TV or something. <laughs> he could just, like, sit down, you know? Like, we don't have to... I mean, I get it. There's It's the government, and maybe there's there's not budget for it, but <laughs> just some to help the dude out. 
Well, you know, employee morale for government workers, it, it, they don't really care too much for employee morale. So, you know. Mm, yeah, that's true. Not, not that I would know from personal experience or anything, of course. Oof. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Do you think maybe Hauk, and this is just me being a devil's advocate here, do you think maybe Hauk doesn't even expect Snake to succeed? But he's just going through the motions because he knows Washington wants him to try something besides, you know, sending his own guys in there to get killed. I don't think so, because in the previous minute, when they show him on the phone speaking with the vice president, the secretary of state behind him tells him, tell him we have to go with your plan. And so this is Hawks, the one who came up with this plan. So... I'm not sure why okay. he would want to, you know, have his own plan fail. You know, he does mention in that phone call that, <laughs> you know, storming the island is, not, is, is a last resort because if they storm the island, they're almost certainly going to kill him. And so sending in the one person incognito to try to do it's a better idea. So I don't think he would want to set that up to fail considering he would probably look bad as well if it failed. No, no, fair point, fair point. I was just, you know, trying to, like, in the moment, figure out why would he be such a dick, as you say, to, <laughs> to Snake, you know? Yeah, we actually, I, 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 in just jumping ahead on my notes, all three minutes this week, we will get a chance to talk about what a jerk how is to Pliskin. <laughs> Literally, he's, he's, an, he's, an, he's an asshole to him in all three minutes, so th this will be a good uh, through line this week. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I was thinking about, you know, starting with this minute, too, was, um, you know, how this film kind of relates to Carpenter's overall career. And it always seemed to me like John Carpenter wanted to make Westerns, but he never made a Western. And this kind of fits into that. I mean, you know, we, you look at something like uh, Assault on Precinct 13 is just Fort Apache. Um and this kind of feels like it's his version of the searchers almost maybe some weird variation on that where you have a guy who's the tough guy, the John Wayne type character, and he goes out on a mission to find somebody and bring them back home. I think it's really, that's an interesting thought that structurally, well, I mean, I, I would say generationally, he's probably somebody who grew up with Westerns. And so I can mm -hmm. see oh, from what? like, you know, a creative perspective of being really highly influenced by those characters and, but maybe having more of, you know, I mean, I really kind of think of John Carpenter as a genre filmmaker. So him maybe having a separate predilection towards, you know, obviously horror and science fiction, but still applying those, those structures that he is familiar with in, you know, in, in a slightly different context and maybe, and, that's part of why this works so well too, is that we as as viewers really recognize those those classic American characters. I mean, this is just, and I've, I've said this before, but it, this is such a, a very classic uh, masculine flick in a lot of ways, um, which I dig honestly. Like I've always really dug that about this that this is a very honest film, like all the way down. There's no bullshit. But I, I think you're right. I think part of the uh, the cowboyness of this is is the the understructure. So the big thing that we've been mentioning here is the mm -hmm. wrist countdown clock getting slapped on Snake's wrist, and while the prop that's in the movie was just made from a simple oven kitchen timer, 
Molly, <laughs> Molly, why don't you tell people about what's going on in the real world with this thing? Oh my God. So this thing is so amazing. And, and actually both Eric and I had independently found this online um, because I just dig, I dig the prop in general. And I, and I did a little research separately about uh, snake's jacket as, as a side digression. I could not find where the original jacket is and, and maybe somebody knows where it is or if Kurt's got it. Um, but separately, what I found was uh, lifeclock1.com. And there is a replica of this amazing countdown clock that you can purchase a snake version of it for $3.99. And it does, I, I mean, it does so much now. I mean, it connects to uh, your, your smartphone. So it can control like a, uh, your camera. Um, it, I mean, you guys should totally look online because it's it's incredible. It's got an activity monitor, alarms, app notifications, uh, gives you your date, world clock. It has the the quote unquote Hartford Summit configuration only countdown version of it. Uh, I think you can get it in Snap and Velcro version. So apparently the prop was Velcro. Uh, it's leather. Um, Eric actually just sent me the Kickstarter video. So the Kickstarter video is also incredible. And there's this really great line from the, the gentleman who created the watch where they make this whole trope about that. They're actually, you know, in the escape from New York world. And he's like, I'm not afraid of New York. I'm Australian. So <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. But this is an incredible watch. And for three ninety nine, uh, I don't know how you dudes feel about it. I think it's a little cost prohibitive, but it's pretty fucking dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, just I mean, it, hold it, it up right now. Yeah, it, if you know, again, uh, lifeclock1.com. If you want to check it out, and and we're not. This isn't an endorsement or anything like that. We don't know these people. We haven't spoke to them. We just found this in our research. But I mean, it is a legitimate. It, it's a, it's licensed. It's officially licensed. It's it's a functioning replica. Um, at, at Molly, you mentioned the Snake Edition. There's also the Gulf Fire and the Chrome Editions which are just mm -hmm. nicer versions, basically, of the basic Snake Edition. And in the design of it, you can get the... So first of all, the um, there's a, you can get an engraving on the metal backplate of the clock. And the default engraving is the USPF logo that we keep talking about so much. But you can also get personalized stuff. You can have your own personalized message on there. You can have it engraved with a photo of Snake. You can even have a photo that photo of the Manhattan computer image that's seen in the opening narration engraved on it. So, you know, they really, the, the people that put this together really spent a lot of time for accuracy and to make it a very cool thing or gadget, you know, for, you know, for people to want to buy. Definitely looks to me, you know, cause I'm on the site right now, rolling through it too, looking at, you know, how well it's put together and everything. It's like, if I was, if I had this in the budget, I would have this, but um yeah so it is pretty cool and i am one for collecting like clothing and things like that that look in in universe to a movie in fact i'm wearing my pork chop express t-shirt right now from big trouble <laughs> in little china stuff nice <laughs> so we have a new character in this minute as well we have dr cronenberg mm. who's not named in the movie 
but indeed the character is named Dr. Cronenberg, and of course, much like Romero, this is a character named after a very famous uh, movie maker, another homage here from John Carpenter, David Cronenberg. The stuff I know him most from is the Jeff Goldblum version of The Fly and Scanners with the Exploding Heads and the Stephen King movie The Dead Zone. Uh, He's made a lot of other stuff as well over the years. And the guy playing Dr. Cronenberg, his name is John Strobel, and you won't have to spend too much time on IMDb if you look him up because <laughs> he's in this. He plays a grocery clerk in The Fog, the other John, another John Carpenter movie. And then in 2018, he did the sound on a short film. And that's it. That's his entire IMDb page. Oh. <laughs> well, I that's I have more brief. credits than that. <laughs> <laughs> brief but mighty. Yes. And that's okay. Yeah, once he gets in, Snake gets into this little medical area. It's kind of interesting because he's kind of like a teenage boy to me and in, in how he's resistant to this process. Because Hulk's like, you, you need to take off your jacket. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And he's like, let's go, Pliskin. Which is such like a principal sort of thing to say to a kid that's in trouble. And so he reluctantly takes it off. And he also makes this protestation about being afraid of needles, which I was kind of curious what you guys thought of that. Given his whole tough guy thing, that there there seems to be these these squeaks of resistance here. I think it's great because it humanizes him. It shows he has a weakness. He's not fearless and invincible. So it makes him a little bit more of an everyman that we're rooting for. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't see the uh, the fear of needles coming back at any point in the movie, you know, as a to return to be a plot point or anything. So I always just figured that was him just being sassy to them. Ah, I got a fear of needles. And that's it. He was just, like you said, being a teenager and just pushing back wherever he could. That explanation works, too. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can go either way. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was very... I mean, he's going to get obviously pushed here and frustrated, rightfully so, because he's being misled. Mm-hmm. But I, I found it an interesting, I found it was a very interesting reaction to him and, and a, a really subtle character move because it, I think it mm, he could jump to violence quicker and he doesn't. That he, he just, it's, it's, it's a subtle boundary that he gives in here. And it's also interesting to me as we ease into this particular change of setting that there you're missing a part of the conversation that there's this, this is how this is going to go down once you get to the tower. And then you catch like, Oh, there's a, a, a you know, essentially you get that he's going to get some type of a shot that's supposed to be helpful to resist bacteria and toxins you know, virus load, you know, once he gets down there, which also makes me very interested in uh, one from the minutes back when we were looking at that array of stuff on a table and there's like a bag of, of pills on there. And, and there was a, a thought that perhaps that he's given uh, drugs just in case something made it go down, you need penicillin, what have you, or stims, something like that to keep him going. But, you know, how much biological preparation he needs to go into this area. And I think that that's a really nice kind of subtle move that this area is quite removed in 
man, there's probably some bugs down there. <laughs> <laughs> Which also that, adds an extra urgency in needing to retrieve the president out of there. Mm, yes. Yeah, that's something that we actually haven't uh, really gotten into because we haven't, you know, Snake, our hero, hasn't gone into the prison yet. and We've only been in the prison for a couple of minutes when Hauk went in and, and dealt with Romero. So, but we haven't really discussed the, you know, the, the, the public health situation, just the rampant disease that must be going on inside that prison. Mm-hmm. Well, the STDs alone kind of make me wonder. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, they left the bathrooms and CBGBs go. I'm sure it's all over the place. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Punk, I mean, what do you want? Oh, do we know if they're dropping any kind of basic drugs? Like, do we know to what degree these guys give a shit about public health in the island of Manhattan? Well, you know, considering we 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 heard in a week or two ago about how the some of the prisoners have been able to come up with energy sources and and find lights. So the fact that they're saying they've done that means the they're not providing even electricity and lighting. You know, it, it, the, the prisoners are having to find alternative energy sources just to create their own lighting. So if they're not even providing them light, they're not giving them medicine. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. No, that's 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 a good point. They, they're basically just dropping food in and that's it for the prisoners. That, right? Yeah, yeah. They do food drops. The, the best of my knowledge so far, what I've come across is they're doing food drops and that's it. Which, which makes me wonder, you know, in the larger context of that world, like, does Amnesty International protest this kind of prison? Or, you know, what are those other ramifications that, you know, obviously the movie doesn't have time to explore, but kind of always triggers little questions in the back of my mind because world building and everything. Yeah, I mean, I guess that World War Three seems world war three is still going on or if it if it's ended there there's another major war going on and it seems that mm-hmm. the, the world is just kind of consumed with this war and there's not much else really going on and within america itself based on some a lot of the background stuff that we've been coming across i don't think that anything exists within the country anymore that would have any kind of clout to make any kind of changes to the situation and any kind of Amnesty International, any kind of global organization, maybe their efforts are more focused on the war itself, or maybe America's just not letting them in. I mean, I it's a, you know, it's I mean, it's a police state. This this version of America, you know, so uh, they're not they're probably not you know if the, the, does you know we have we hear no talk of it in this movie, but it's a good question. Think of does the UN even exist anymore in this world? Hmm. Well, if they did, they've moved their headquarters. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny if the UN stayed there and they were like, no, no, we are the UN. We will not abandon. And like that two, three square blocks was still considered UN international soil and not technically a part of the prison. Mm, that's going to be wow. a shitty commute coming and going, though, man. <laughs> That that makes a far more interesting sequel of that idea than Escape from L.A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, for people people don't know the I like that idea. For people who don't know the UN geography, it's it's on Manhattan's east side. It's um it's it overlooks the East River in the forties. So it would be within the containment wall if it did if this city existed. Oh. All right, Rich, why don't you uh, give everybody some background here on your your uh, your writing, your blog, your podcast, et cetera, et cetera. Film Buff Online is a news and review and feature uh, site that I've been running for a lot longer than um, I think the internet has even been around. Uh, it feels like it's been <laughs> about literally about seventeen years I've been doing this. Just you know, putting putting content out there. Just you know, hopefully raising some interesting ideas about film. Uh, started a podcast in conjunction with our site about a year ago with um, my very good friend Natasha Bogutsky is my co-host, and uh, we often have different views on movies. So <laughs> that leads to some interesting conversation um, where we also try to analyze what's going on in the news get a bigger picture of it in terms of, you know, film history. Um, Cause that's one thing I'm interested in is the history of film, you know, the whole medium 80, hundred years worth of history. And sometimes looking at what's going on now and trying to get that into a context of that overall history. As we're recording, we had just gotten back from the Tribeca film festival in New York. Um, and, so hopefully by the time people are listening to this, I'll have everything up and posted from that. Uh, easily searchable. Uh, some red carpet interviews with folks like um, Simon Pegg and Rob Reiner um, and a few others. Uh, some reviews. Uh, we had a great time there. And uh, going forward, of course, lots of discussion about the summer film season and whatever else happens uh, that strikes our fancy to write about. All right, so everybody, check that out. Listen to his podcast. Go to his long-lived website and get lots of awesome insider movie news. And in the meantime, why don't you chat with us? Because we're on Facebook. We are at Brains Library, the Escape from New York Minute Hangout, and we're also on Twitter, NY Minute Pod. Uh, if you like us, please rate and review us on whatever podcatcher you're listening to. Subscribe so you never miss an episode. And until tomorrow, be on time, stay out of the sewers, and we'll meet you on the other side of the wall.